Welcome back to Sunday Life. In Sunday Life, our focus is that through these studies that we want to encourage you and all of us to live every day as Sunday, S-O-N-D-A-Y. Every day, a day filled with the Son of God in our lives and realizing that and knowing that through each day. In the last episode, which was entitled, Did Jesus Already Come? I laid out from Scripture the reasons why the first century believers, including the disciples, were anticipating the coming of Christ in their lifetime, in that generation. Also, I demonstrated from Scripture and history that Christ did come in 70 AD in the judgment that fell upon the temple in Jerusalem and the unbelieving Jews through the desolation that was brought upon them by the Roman army. So if Jesus did return in AD 70, what does that mean for us today? Did the resurrection already happen? Christians have been taught that the resurrection will take place when Jesus comes. The Jews also believe that the resurrection would take place when the Messiah came. And most Christians believe that that's a future event. But clearly, we've seen from Scripture that Jesus has already come. This means that the old age of the law ended and the new age of the spirit of reconciliation began or started in its beginnings. Let's look at what Paul told the Galatians about this in Galatians 5, verses 4 through 5. Paul says, You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. For we eagerly await through the Spirit, by faith, the hope of righteousness. Now, the Jews persecuted and they pressured believers to return to their Jewish rituals and ceremonies. Those, remember, the first believers were Jewish who believed in the Messiah. And some of these believers did go back to practicing Judaism. Now, Paul is telling them that the law that they're practicing is useless. Now, we can see here the two ages, the age of the law in the age of the Spirit. We see that the law ending, and it was ending, because Jesus fulfilled the Mosaic Covenant. And the age of the Spirit, which is beginning, was achieved has achieved the righteousness by faith in the Messiah alone. Going back to the law and practicing the law and practicing the rituals is useless because it's dead. Only faith in the Messiah alone brings righteousness. Galatians was written about A.D. 56, so still 14 years before the destruction of Jerusalem. So that's why Paul is pointing this towards the future. Paul says we eagerly await the hope of righteousness. It hasn't come yet because Jesus hasn't come yet in his judgment on Jerusalem. Once that final judgment comes upon Jerusalem, the old covenant will be obsolete. God is giving them a time to repent, a time to accept the Messiah and the new covenant. That 40-year period between 
is resurrection and the destruction. In the new age, Christ is seated at the right hand of God in heaven, and he has all power and authority has been given to him in heaven and in earth. Now, this means that the old heaven and earth, the old paradigm of death, has passed away, and the new paradigm of life is coming to be in place forever. Now, how do we know that there was a change from the previous old condemnation to the new age of justification? We know it because God's word tells us it's true. Everything we know, we know from Scripture. In the old heaven and the old earth, when someone died, they went into the ground and they stayed there. What the Jews called Sheol or the grave and what the Greeks called Hades. That's where those who died went. There was no salvation from death. Everyone from Adam on died, separated from God. From the beginning on until Christ, everyone died. They were powerless against death. But there was a hope given to mankind, which we see in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. It says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, now this is the situation where the serpent tempted Eve to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She did. She shared it with her husband. So because of that tempting of man, God says to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. This is known as the pro-evangelium or the first announcement of the gospel. In these two verses, we see Satan represented by the serpent and we see the son of man represented by the offspring of the woman. Satan will strike Jesus in him being crucified, but Christ will crush Satan with his resurrection. When the power of Satan is overcome by the Son of Man, the old fallen earth passed away and the new heavens and new earth is established. Jesus defeated Satan in the resurrection. At that moment, a new heaven and a new earth were being established through Christ. Again, as I said, there's a 40-year period between the resurrection and the destruction of Jerusalem. The old heaven and the old earth was cursed by sin and by guilt and separation from God and death. But the new heaven and the new earth are blessed with forgiveness and grace and fellowship with God and eternal life. Now listen to how Paul explains this to the Roman believers in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 17. He says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those 
who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's sin. It's kind of like that, that adage, ignorance is no excuse, right? Just because you, you can't say, I didn't know the law, therefore I'm not guilty. No, everyone died. Everyone was guilty of sin from Adam on, even though they weren't guilty of the same sin. He is a type of the coming one. In verse 15, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if by one man's sin, one man's trespass, the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many? And the gift is not like the one man's sin, because from one sin came the judgment resulting in condemnation, but from many trespasses came the gift resulting in justification. So the opposite. Adam's one sin brought death to all of mankind. Christ's one justification brought justification to all, to everyone. So one gift to all, one curse to all by the other. If by the one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So we can plainly see that the passing away of the old paradigm, the paradigm that Adam brought in, and the establishment of the new existence, this new existence brought in by the second Adam, Christ. Now, in the age of the new heaven and the new earth, the hope of life everlasting is a reality because of the one who has all the power and authority in this age, Jesus Christ. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his order. Christ, the firstfruits, afterward at his coming, again, that, remember, his coming, not at his resurrection, at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So Paul says the key to being made alive is being in Christ, where all will be made alive. The all doesn't mean everyone, everyone in the world, but only those who are in Christ. That's believers. So what happens when believers die? Now we're going to look at a, a very important and difficult passage regarding what happens to believers when they die, one that has confused uh, multitudes through the centuries. First Corinthians, or First Thessalonians, I'm sorry, verses Chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. I'm going to read through this first, then I'll go back and, and go over it. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest, who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord, 
we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet him in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, just think if Paul is telling these Thessalonians in, in the book of Thessal these book two Thessalonica was written around 49 AD. Imagine they're waiting now for the Lord to come for 2,000 years. Paul says to encourage one another with these words. Well, not going to be much encouragement if you're waiting 2,000 years for this to happen. So let's go back and look at these verses a little closer. Verse 13, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. As I said, Thessalonians was written in about AD 49, so we still have 20, 20 years to go, 21 years before the destruction of Jerusalem. And there were people then teaching that the resurrection had already taken place. Now, this is just something to think about here, that if we're talking about a bodily resurrection, it would be impossible to teach that the resurrection took place already if people were still, if people's bodies were still in the grave. So the resurrection is something different than a bodily resurrection. Now, Paul wanted them to know the truth. So those who have no hope are those that didn't believe in the resurrection. Verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Now here's where people get confused. Paul uses the phrase, fallen asleep, for death. There is, there's no people who died are not asleep. He's, Paul is using that euphemism to describe death. He's talking about believers who died and were buried. These believers will be raised in the same way, meaning by the power of Jesus, the Messiah, not meaning that they'll have a physical body, not in that same way. And then verse 15 for we say this to you by the word from the Lord. Now, where did the Lord say what Paul is saying here, or what he's about to say here? He said it in Matthew 24, in Luke 21, in Mark 13, that these are the words that he's using and what he's saying is what Jesus told the disciples about the coming tribulation and destruction of Jerusalem. He used these same words about that judgment. He says, we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So when Jesus comes, the dead in Christ will be raised at that coming. They'll be raised first. And then 
verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will be raised first. Now, when did Jesus descend from heaven with a shout, the angel's voice, and the trumpet assembly call of God? As I said, in Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, Jesus uses that same language. He's ascending with the angel's voice, the trumpet's blare, and, and he with that shout from heaven. That's at the destruction of Jerusalem. Then, at that time, the resurrection of the dead happened. Now, where did believers who died go? They were raised into the kingdom of God, where Jesus has all power and authority. Verse 17, then we who are still alive, who are left, now here, the then, that word in the Greek, means afterwards. So after the judgment upon Jerusalem, after that happens, we who continue to be alive, there were believers after the destruction of Jerusalem who continued to be alive. Now, Paul and Peter were, were dead. They died in Rome prior to the destruction of Jerusalem. But there were other believers who continued on. After the judgment of the Jews, the gospel was still preached. The kingdom of God was still spreading in the world. So there were believers who continued on alive in the new age that came after the close of the old age. But since the resurrection, when believers die, Paul says that they will be caught up. Now that word caught up doesn't mean rapture. It's a Greek word, herpazo, which means to be seized or to be pulled away. Now, as I said, this isn't a physical snatching away like a rapture. It happens, the rapture, what people think about the rapture happening in the future happens while people are still alive. This happens to believers upon their death. They're snatched away. And it's a spiritual relocation when believers die. In John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, Jesus says that I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them, herpazo, out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them, herpazo, out of the Father's hand. Believers aren't physically in God's hand. We are spiritually relocated into the hand or the presence of God. And as Paul continues here, he says that we're relocated to be together with them in the clouds. To who are them? Them are the ones who preceded us, the believers who died prior to our own death, or the deaths of those believers who went on beyond the judgment of Jerusalem, with them in the clouds. Now, clouds in Scripture represents the presence of God. It also represents the judgment of God. So the judgment and the coming, the presence of the Lord, are concurrent with the resurrection and the coming of the kingdom. 
And as Paul continues, to meet the Lord in the air. Again, this is another people think about that in the future, we're going to meet the Lord in the air. This rapture, we're going to meet the Lord in the air. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, Paul says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit who now working, who's now working in the disobedient. What is termed the air is a, a spiritual realm. It's a, it's a, a realm of influence upon us that, that causes temptation, causes those who are disobedient. When we die, we are brought to another realm, a realm that's free from the influence of Satan. As Paul continues, and so we will always be with the Lord. We will always be in a place with the Lord that is free from Satan. That is meeting them in that air, in that realm. That realm is heaven. That realm is the kingdom of God. And verse 18, Paul says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Prior to 70 AD, when a believer died, they went back to the dust like the Old Testament, Old Testament people. They were there until the Lord came in judgment and closed the old paradigm. At 70 AD, the believers who died were resurrected. They received their new glorified bodies. And those believers who were and are, who were alive then and are alive now, after the coming of Christ in judgment, are changed instantaneously when they and we die. We're changed into our glorified bodies, and we go to be to the presence of Christ with those believers who preceded us and there were with them forever. That's what happens. And Paul said, encourage one another with these words. That is, those are encouraging words. We know that the moment we die, that breath, that last, our last breath is taken into the air to be in that new realm with Christ and with all the believers who preceded us in that kingdom of Christ. Now, your question probably is, what about those who die who didn't believe in Christ? What happens or happened to them? Well, we're going to talk about that in the next episode. And beginning with the next episode, I'm going to start a six-part series, which I'm entitling Death, Resurrection, Heaven, and Hell. So everything that you want to know about death, the resurrection, about heaven and hell, I'm going to bring, as God gives it to me, in these next six episodes coming up. So be sure to be, be here for that. So until then, I pray that these words are encouraging to you and that they do encourage you in looking forward to when we are with Christ forever. God bless you and keep you. Thank you.